We are continuing right along in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll just be looking at the first five verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 4 this morning. We are eight weeks into 1 Corinthians and about three hours worth of sermons and we're still kind of along the same themes. We're still, I would say, kind of in Paul's introduction of, of, of what's getting set up to, to talk to the Corinthians here. And, and he's, we kind of see these same things repeating themselves. He, he's kind of making uh, the point, uh, first and foremost, that, that Jesus should be the foundation that, that we as Christians, that the people of Corinth, uh, should be building everything upon. He's, he's dealing with the issues of division. Uh, some were picking favorites. They like this leader better than that leader. And Paul is, is still, even in the text today, trying to set uh, the, the groundwork to, to get everybody on the same page. And that is uh, super important. It was important for the people of Corinth, and guess what? It's important for the people of Enterprise Baptist Church. We who are God's children, we need to be on the same page. A couple of weeks ago, right before Easter, we talked about a little bit about Paul and Apollos. Apollos is kind of a, a name that we see a lot here at the beginning of the book of 1 Corinthians. And he was somebody who was a, a servant of the Lord, just like Paul was. He was out uh, doing the Lord's work. And uh, last week before last, we talked about uh, Paul's making the point that they were co-workers. That is, they were working together, just as you and I, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, this body that God has brought here, and we call it Enterprise Baptist Church, uh, we too need to work together. We are co-workers. That is, we all have a different skill. We all have something that, that God has blessed us at. Maybe you have something and I don't, and I have something you don't. But when we all work together, we can see mighty things come together for the Lord. And so Paul was making that point about uh, he and Apollos, as well as other Christians, we are co-workers. And, and these verses we read today kind of follow up right on the heels of that. He had also just reiterated about God's wisdom. God's wisdom is Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul had gone through a long account of that in, in chapter 1 talking about how the world looks as, at the cross of Christ as being foolishness, but that is God's wisdom. That's where we really understand God's power and God's love, and God reveals everything to us uh, through Jesus Christ. We understand everything through what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And so that was kind of chapter 3, give you guys a brief overview that got us up to this point uh, that we are at today. Today we'll be in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. We'll read through the text and then we will pray. A person should consider us in this way, as servants of Christ and messengers of God's mysteries. In this regard, it is expected of messengers that each one of them be found faithful. It is of little importance to me that I should be evaluated by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even evaluate myself, for I'm not conscious of anything about myself, but I'm not justified by this. The one who evaluates me is the Lord. Therefore, don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will both bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. And then praise will come to each one from God. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. I thank you for this good word. And I pray that you clear our minds, God. That you just 
Help us not to think about stuff of the world, not to think about or be distracted by who's sitting in front of us or noises being made or, or what we're going to do when we leave. God, there are all these things that can get us sidetracked, but for these few minutes, dear Lord, let us give them to you. Let us be able to get our hearts focused, our, our heads, our ears focused so that we can hear your word, dear Lord, that we can hear the Holy Spirit speak. And I pray that through these words, God, that your Holy Spirit would touch our hearts, that you know exactly what each one of us need to hear, dear Lord. I pray that you would help us to understand what your word's saying, but also help us to know how it applies to us, dear Lord. And so I pray, God, that you would hide me behind the cross. I pray that you would uh, take my pride, dear Lord, that you would humble me today, God, that you would be glorified through these words. Just help me to speak what needs to be said. Help me to, to know what to say and know when to be quiet, dear Lord, not to ramble on, but to to do all this for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, these are some good verses. We've got a lot of stuff here that I think uh, we really need to listen to as Christians. I think uh, there, there is much good application for us and, and, and many things here maybe to open our eyes and cause our attention to some things possibly in our own lives. He starts off by saying, a person should consider us in this way. Now, when he says us there, I believe that Paul is talking about he and Apollos or he and the other leaders. He had just finished up a lot of talking about that over the last few chapters, and he's trying to he's trying to, to, to let the people recognize really where the leadership falls. He's trying to, to make the people really realize that, hey, even though God may have called us to, to, to preach to you, so to speak, to let us be your preachers and teachers don't think too highly of us. We are all working together. We are all co-workers. We are all on the same level. And I believe in the context of what Paul is talking about here, he's probably talking about uh, the leadership, those who were who are in leadership there. But I also believe that in, in, in kind of the grand scheme of things that these things are, are appropriate for all of us, even those of us who may not be in preaching or teaching positions. This idea of, of not thinking too highly of ourselves. That is that we have a right view of who we are. And he talks about that a little further on. The view that we should have as Christians is this. He says a person should consider us in this way as servants of Christ and managers of God's mysteries. Now, Paul didn't say, think of us as some, something big and fancy and wonderful and grand. Think of us as great speakers and somebody of great power because God chose us and not you. That's not what he said. He said, think of us in this way. Think of us as servants. Now, we often don't really like to think of ourselves as servants if we're realistic. But, but in reality, that's what we as Christians are. We are servants of Christ. That is, Christ is our master, and, and our, our, our calling, our duty, our desire should be to serve the Lord. After all, Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he has not already done for us. It's not like Jesus is a, is a mean or angry or, or bad master who forces us to serve him and makes life difficult on us and, and he's never done anything good for us. Sometimes when we think of a, of a master-servant type relationship, we, we, we may have that mindset that the master's bad and the servant is a slave that's not worth much, that doesn't have much or is mistreated. But... but in this relationship, this master-servant relationship between the Lord and us, it's not that way at all. We have a master who loves us. 
We have a master who doesn't put heavy burdens on us. Instead, we have a master who has taken all of our burdens from us. We have a master who says, look, bring all your burdens to me. Cast them on me. I'm going to take them from you. That's what Jesus says to us. We have a master who does not hate and abuse us, but instead we have a master who gave his life for us. We don't have a master who says, I'm going to send you to do all the dirty work and I'm not going to do anything. We have a master who came from a perfect heaven. He came to this dirty old world and he did the dirty work. He washed the feet of his very disciples. How much more humble can you get? And so when we look at our master, Jesus, we need to look at Jesus positively. We need to see a master who loves us and who has given every single thing he can for us. And when we see that, and when we recognize, like Paul did, that we are merely servants, when we realize that we are not deserving of the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when we realize that we've received grace and mercy that we've done nothing for, and we see that love the Master has for us, then we should want to serve that Master. Think of all that Jesus has done for you. The fact that Jesus loves us is pretty incredible. That's something that could go in Mr. Sidney's book, Incredible But True. It's incredible that Jesus loves us because we're sinners, but you know what? It's true. And Paul is setting the, setting the groundwork here. He's saying, look, we're just servants of the Lord. One way to think about it might be to think of ourselves as, as under-rowers. An under-rower would be someone who is in a ship. Imagine a big, huge ship, and at the top of the ship, the captain is there, and he's pointing out where to go and what to do, and there's rocks here, and turn this way and turn that way, or here's our destination. I know how to get us there, and the, and the captain is steering the ship. He sees all the obstacles to make sure that, that, that the ship gets to where it needs to go. But underneath the deck, you see all of those rowers just lined up on both sides, and those rowers those under rowers they're following the command of the master they have some work to do and they all have to work together if all the rowers were out of sync and they were not rowing together guess what the boat would be all out of whack it wouldn't ever go anywhere it wouldn't go in the right direction that's why it's very important for those of us who are Christians as under rowers to listen to the voice of the master you ever watch the Olympics for? They got these big old long boats. I don't know what they're called. And you might see like four or five of them there. They lined up and they all row. And there's somebody there and he's saying some words. I don't know. He's like, uh, 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 and whatever he says, the words, I don't know what they are. But when he says those, makes those sounds or says those words, they all row at the same time. They all pull at the same time and row at the same time. And they sit there and they listen for that master's voice uh, to, to, to lead them, to tell them what they need to do so that they can all be in sync. Why? Because they want to win the race. Now, we as Christians... It's kind of similar for us. Uh, Jesus Christ is our captain. And we as co-workers in Christ should all be rowing in the same direction. We should all be listening closely to hear what the master of the ship, Jesus Christ, has to say to us as Christians. Because see, Jesus, he sees all the obstacles in our way. He sees uh, when the seas are going to be rough. He knows what storms are ahead. And he can help us to row to get through the storm, or he can help us to row to get around the storm in some instances. He can help us to miss those icebergs that may be coming our way. We all know what happens when a ship hits an iceberg. Guess what? It sinks. If you hadn't, if you didn't know that, watch Titanic. 
And that's why it's very important that we listen to our master as Christians. Because we have those icebergs in life. We have those storms in life. And these are things that, 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 that the enemy wants to use to destroy us. That the enemy wants to use to get us off track. That the enemy wants to use so that we don't clearly hear the voice of our master. And so that we lose the joy of our relationship with our master. And then we're like a boat that's just twisting and turning in the sea. Not knowing which way that we need to go. And that's why we need to be very careful to hear the voice of our master. But sometimes the voice of our enemy comes in and it, it really begins to take over. And the voice of our enemy makes us believe that life apart from the master, don't listen to what Jesus says, listen to what I say. And that, that seems good for a moment. But as Christians, we realize really quick that when we stop listening to the master and start listening to the enemy, then things get out of control really quick. I told some of you guys a story Wednesday night, but I'm going to say it again because some of you didn't hear it. And I think it, it helps me at least and possibly you to understand kind of what I'm talking about. Uh, Michelle had been gone uh, all this week, staying with her mother at night, taking care of her mother. So I was at home alone every night. This is the first time that since the whole time we've been married. There's been some times that I was gone away from her, but this is the first time in over two years since we've been married that I was home alone. And she was at her mom's house, and the next day I saw her, and she, she said, well, how'd you enjoy it? You know, did you like being at home alone last night? Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I said the wrong thing. You guys take note. I said the wrong thing. I said, I said well, yeah, it was pretty good. And then I, I, well, I mean, there were parts of it I liked. I said, I'm starting to backtrack. And she said, oh, really, what parts did you like? And I'm, you know, I'm trying to think of something to say because I realized that, that probably wasn't the right thing to say. And I said, well, you know, I mean, I could turn the TV up as loud as I wanted to, you know, and keep the temperature the way I like it and... She kind of gave me that evil look. You guys have never got that look before. And the truth of the matter is, it was pretty good that first night. It was. It was, it, you know, I, me and her, she likes it freezing cold. I like it hot. And I could put the, the air on what I wanted it to. And I could turn up music or the TV as loud as I wanted it to. And I could eat what I want to, stay up as late as I want to. And it was pretty good the first night. But you know what? By the end of the week, every night that went, went by, I began to miss her a little much, a little more, a little more. What seemed good at the beginning, by the end of it, I realized I needed my mate. I needed to be back with her again because there was a certain loneliness there. And that's kind of how it is with our relationship with the Lord. You, when, we, when we listen to the Lord's voice and we hear what God's calling us to and we're obedient to Him and we're walking in good relationship, we've got it good and sometimes we don't realize how good we have it. And the enemy begins to speak to us to try to get us to not hear the Master's voice and to try to get us off track. And oftentimes he makes the sinfulness of the world sound so good and we dabble a little bit in that sin and we say, hey, this is pretty good, I like this. And at first it seems really good, but over time as the days go by, you realize that that sin's not as good as it used to be. And you realize that you don't like being where you are, but you want to be back where you were. You realize, you know what, it was really good where I was at, and I didn't realize how good it was. And sometimes in life we don't listen to the Master's voice. We don't listen to what Jesus calls us to. We don't listen to what the Holy Spirit calls us to and it gets us off track and only down the road do we realize what we're missing 
And we need to recognize what Paul is saying here. He's calling us to realize that we are servants of the Lord, and that is a good thing. And we need to be working together for that purpose of doing God's work. He says that they are servants of Christ and they are managers of God's mysteries. Now, this is common phrasing that we see in the New Testament. This idea of God's mysteries. What, what are the, the mysteries of God? Or, or most importantly, what is the main mystery of God? Well, I'll read you a few texts and I'll tell you what I think most importantly, the, the mystery is of God, the main mystery that we don't want to miss or don't want to misunderstand. Uh, first off, we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We've already read about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. However, we do speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery. A wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, for if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So we kind of get a little idea of what the mystery there is. He said we speak these things in a mystery. Some people have missed them. We, we talked about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, let's read a little further about what the mystery of God is. Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 27 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I am completing in my flesh what is lacking in Christ's affliction for his body. That is the church. I have become, a, become its servant according to God's administration that was given to me for you to make God's message fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here we see this same wording. Uh, there, there's this idea of this mystery that's been hidden for years, but now God has revealed it to us through Jesus Christ and Christ in us. And so the mystery is Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 2. I want their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. Christ. All the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him. Hey, so we, we, we start to see pretty clearly here what Paul is referring to as a mystery uh, that we've seen a couple times and and. Corinthians, well, we see Paul explain flat out exactly what that mystery is in verses like Colossians 2, verse 2. The mystery is Jesus Christ, and God has revealed that mystery to us. That is, all things are done through Christ. Everything is made right through Christ and the sacrifice that He made on the cross. We are forgiven of our sins through Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. We see the mystery used in other ways, too. Uh, in Daniel uh, chapter 2, it talks about where Daniel's uh, interpreting the dream for Nebuchadnezzar. And, and it was a mystery, uh, but the Lord revealed the mystery to Daniel, and he was able to interpret the dream for the king. We see it again in Romans chapter 11, where Paul is talking about the Israelites. He's talking about pruning the branches and using that illustration, and he's talking about how it's a mystery. And we see this idea of a mystery in God's Word several times. 
Now, I think what we don't want to miss when we talk about mystery, at least in this context of 1 Corinthians, first off, is we're talking about Jesus Christ. It, it, we're talking about that idea of it being foolishness to some people. And, and it may not even seem to make sense. Like, like how could a man who, who gave his life and died on a cross, like how does that, that affect me? It's, it's a mystery to those who are, who are foolish. But those of us who are seeking God and begin to read God's Word and begin to listen to the Holy Spirit's tugging on our heart, we begin to realize that, you know, it's not so foolish that a man would lay down his life for us so that we could be forgiven. That that is God's ultimate plan of salvation. Now, I believe that there are still plenty of mysteries there that we probably won't understand in this world. There are things that God does that are a mystery to me, things that God has done that are a mystery to me. How did God do that? How did God make that happen? Why does God do things this way? These things are a mystery to me. Even some things in God's Word I read and may not understand or not get, they're a mystery to me. And so for us as Christians, there may be some mysteries in our life that, that we, we think of the Lord that we may never get an answer to. But Paul here is saying, look, that they are servants of Christ and that they, are, that they are revealing God's mystery ultimately and most importantly, they are revealing the mystery that is Jesus Christ. He's making sure that the people realize that it is not a mystery any longer. He refers in Ephesians chapter 5, I believe it is, where he's talking about marriage. He talks about that relationship of a husband and wife and then compares that to our relationship as Christians with Jesus, who is our, who is our groom and we are his bride. And he says that this relationship is a mystery. And so and this idea of mystery we see uh, frequently throughout the Bible, but it should, it should call our attention back to Jesus Christ when we read that in most instances. Let's read a little further. In this regard, it is expected of managers that each of them be found faithful. Now, they are managers, or some translations would say they are stewards of the Lord. That is, God has, has, has equipped them and called them into His service and, and given them what they need to do His work. And Paul is reminding us here, as well as himself, that we are to be faithful managers to what God has given us. And that could be in many different areas. That could be in our gifts. Perhaps God has given you some gift and, and God has given you that because he wants you to use that for his glory. Perhaps there's somewhere that you can get plugged in and use your gifts. I don't know what your gifts are. Uh, we all have different gifts. Uh, perhaps it's artistic. You're good at painting or drawing. Perhaps it's playing instruments. Perhaps it's cooking food. There are many, many gifts. Can't name them all. But there are many things that we are all capable of, and we all have our little thing. And whatever it is, we need to pray and say, God, how can I use my gift for you? How can I be a faithful manager to what you have given me? Perhaps it's our property. Perhaps it's our homes or our cars or our monies that God has blessed us with. And we need to be faithful with what God has given us. How can we use what God has blessed us with to further His kingdom? And, and Paul here is saying that, that those of us who are Christ's servants need to be faithful managers to what God has given us. And we need to ask ourselves the question, am I being faithful with what God has blessed me with? Whether it's a talent, whether it's a materialistic thing, Am I using what God has given me for His glory, or am I using it for my own satisfaction?
It is of little importance to me that I should be evaluated by you or by any human court. Now, Paul is saying, look, I don't, I don't really care what you guys necessarily think or say about me. It's not important to me what you guys think or say about me. He goes on to say in verse 4, for, or excuse me, uh, further on in verse 3, in fact, I don't even evaluate myself. He says, I don't care what, what you guys look and evaluate about me. I'm not even evaluating myself. And in verse 4, he says, for I'm not conscious of anything against myself. Now, what he's not saying there, maybe at first glance, we may read that, and Paul may be, it may sound like he's saying, well, I'm not aware of anything wrong with me. So far as I see it, I'm perfect. But that's not uh, what Paul is saying here. What he says when he says, I'm not conscious of anything against myself, is he says, look, I'm not able to even evaluate myself because I can't do so fairly. Because when I look at myself, I never seem as bad as I actually am, is what he's essentially saying. And aren't we all the same way? Like, like we all probably think we're a little better than we actually are. Like, we see other people do bad things and say stuff, and we, we think to ourselves, even if we don't verbalize it, well, they're pretty bad. I'm not that bad, though. I mean, I may do some stuff, but I'm not that bad. And we all have this tendency to think a little better of ourselves than we actually are. It's so easy for us to evaluate each other. It's easy for me to go places and to evaluate. And, 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 and I, I know this is the case because these are the kind of things we do. We, we see other people's kids being bad, and we say stuff like, well, if that was my kid... Because we think that we could do a little better job of raising kids than they could. And we go eat somewhere and it's kind of slower, the people ain't nice, and we say, well, if this was my restaurant, I'll tell you what. Because we think we could do a better job. See, we always think we could do a little better job than everybody else can. And we all think, at least at some level, I believe, that we're probably not quite as bad as we actually are. So Paul was saying, look, I can't judge myself. I can't evaluate myself because I can't do so fairly. Paul's saying, I'd be biased if I tried to, to do this. And he goes on to say after that, he says, In fact, I don't even evaluate myself, for I'm not conscious against anything against myself. He's saying, I don't see my own problems, so it's not fair for me to, to evaluate myself. But I'm not justified by this. He says, look, just because I don't see my faults and my weaknesses and my sinfulness, he's not saying, I'm, he says, I'm not justified. I'm not saying that I'm good or just because I don't notice these things. He goes on to say, but I'm not justified by this. The one who evaluates me is the Lord. So Paul says, I don't care what you think about me. He says, I can't rightly look at myself because I'm not going to see really just how bad I am. And so he brings out the important point that it is only the Lord that evaluates him and it is only the Lord who evaluates us. And he goes on to say the tough part. He says something tough here coming up. Therefore, don't judge anything prematurely before the Lord comes, who will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and reveal the intentions of the hearts. Now that's something we need to pay attention to. Paul's saying, look, I can't, you can't rightly judge me. You don't know my heart or why I do things. I can't judge myself because I'm a little biased. I think a little too highly of myself. But he says there's coming a day where God is going to judge me and God is going to judge you. And on that day, all will be revealed. And that's pretty scary. That everything that you have ever done and everything that you have ever thought has been revealed. 
And I ain't talking about just the stuff that other people know. I ain't talking about the one or two people who know those really bad things you did. I'm talking about everything is going to be revealed. Not just the stuff that's known by a few people, but just the stuff that's known by you. Both the things you have done outwardly and the true intentions of your heart. And God is going to see through those things. You see... We have a tendency in this world to, to think that, that, that we can keep things hidden. We can keep those things in the darkness. We see that idea of lightness and darkness. And, and, and isn't that so true about us when we sin that oftentimes uh, we want to see it in the darkness? That is, we, we, we don't sin in broad daylight. We go to a, a room and shut the door where it may be a little darker. Or we do our sinfulness at night. We don't want to sin in the day where people may see it. And so we do things we shouldn't do at night. And we uh, so oftentimes commit our sinfulness in the darkness, so to speak. Because we want to keep those things hidden. We don't want people to know about those things. And there are things about my life that you will never know. And there are things about your life that I will never know. But everything about all of our lives, God knows. Both the good things, both the good intentions of our heart, as well as the bad intentions of our heart. And that's kind of a scary thing. To think about that day that we'll have to stand before the Lord. Even as a Christian, I think it may sting just a little bit when God brings those things before us, those things that we've kept hidden and kept buried away. And Paul is saying there is coming a day. You can't judge me. I can't judge you. We can't even judge ourselves. But there is coming a day when we will all stand before the Lord and He will judge everything. And then when that day comes when we stand before the Lord, what's He going to say to you? What's going to happen on that day? If you stand before the Lord when that day comes, and all of those things that God sees, all those pure evil intentions that are in our hearts, God's going to call them out. But for those of us who are in Jesus Christ, I like to imagine Jesus being there saying, this one's mine. I've covered this one, Father. This one's been covered by my blood. This one has been forgiven. This one has accepted what I've done on the cross. And when that day comes, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and been covered in His blood, we will be forgiven of all those things. We won't get what we deserve because what we deserve when we stand before the day of judgment is we deserve eternal punishment. That's what we deserve. You might not like to think that about yourself. You might not like to think you're that bad. But guess what? You're not judged by your standards and I'm not judged by my standards and we're not judged by anybody else's standards. We're judged by God's standards. And while we may like to think of ourselves as a little better than everybody else in this world by our own standards, the reality is that we're not judged by our standards. We're judged by God's standard. And God's standard is perfection. God's standard is Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know your heart. I don't know if you've accepted Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've rejected Jesus Christ. I don't know what evils you have done. I don't know how bad you are and what's in your past. But I want to tell you this. Jesus Christ wants to forgive you of those sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could be forgiven. 
And while you may be hiding the things of your heart from me and everybody else, I got news for you. The Lord already sees them. He already knows that they're there. He already knows that guilt and that shame and that burden that it brings you. And you know what Jesus is saying? Knowing everything that you've done, all the evil you've committed, all the sin that's in your life, you know what Jesus would say to you? He would say, come to me, all you who are burdened, and I will give you rest. You know why I know He'll say that? Because I'll read it in God's Word. He knows all the sinfulness that you've done, but He wants you to come to Him so that you can be washed of those sins by the, His blood and His death on the cross so that you can maybe be uh, pure and as white as snow. That's what Jesus wants to do. He sees all that evil, and He's crying out to you, Come to Me, accept Me, accept My forgiveness, accept the price that was paid on the cross when I died for you. That's what Jesus is saying to you today. And my question is, have you accepted Him? Have you heard that voice of Jesus? Have you heard the Holy Spirit convicting you, pointing out to you, helping you to realize that you are a sinful uh, human being in need of a Savior? Have you heard that voice and have you accepted it? Have you acknowledged Jesus Christ, accepted Jesus Christ, and asked Him to forgive you of your sins and be your Lord and Savior? Have you made Jesus your Master? Are you still listening to the devil and all the evil things that he wants to cause us to do and, or, or excuse me, tempt us to do that we give in to? Or, or what voice are you listening to? The voice of the enemy or the voice of the master? Because the voice of the master is saying, come on in here with me. I want to guide you. I want to tell you which way to go. I want to tell you exactly where to turn. I want to keep you safe through the storms. I want to keep you from all the things in life that are weighing you down, that are causing you problems. Jesus is saying, listen to my voice and I will guide you and take care of you and protect you for all of eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these good words today and we thank you for calling us to be your servants. Dear Lord, we thank you for being a loving master that... Uh, that has given so much for us so that we can be forgiven. And Father God, I pray that if there is one in this room that has not accepted Jesus Christ, that today the Holy Spirit, you would just be on their heart right now. That they would just feel that need for forgiveness. God, that the enemy will be telling them they're too bad, they've done too much, God, don't, that you don't want anything to do with them. But dear Lord, help, them, help the Holy Spirit to let them know that that Jesus died on a cross so that they could be forgiven. He died on a cross because He does want them, dear Lord. So God, let the Holy Spirit convict. If there is one in here today that has not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, has not given their life to Him and not been covered by that blood that He shed, God, let them realize that today and let them accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. God, help each one of us in this room. The ones who haven't come to you, God, help them to hear your voice and follow it to where they come to Christ as Lord and Savior. God, maybe there are some in this room who have accepted Jesus Christ and were yours. God, maybe we're not listening to your voice. Help us to hear it, dear Lord, so that we can get on track and stay on track. God, help us to recognize that when you call us and when we accept your calling, dear Lord, help us to realize that we are your servants. And help us to be about your business. Help us to be faithful with, you, what, with what you've given us so that we can be good servants, dear Lord. God, help us not to think too highly of ourselves or evaluate ourselves in a wrong way to make us be a little better than we actually are. But God, help us to realize that you know, we're pretty rotten. 
But dear Lord, you give us grace and mercy anyway. And help that to, to be on our mind, to drive us to, to continually be humble before you and to seek you and to serve you and to show your love to the world. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.